it's almost like a depreciating asset if you think of it that way, because say, for example, you buy a house worth 500,000, the mortgage company is offering you to pay out your mortgage when you pass away. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation. It's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training, and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus, it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all our podcast episodes, and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast. Right Club community, welcome to another awesome week of the podcast. I'm Sarah Larby and I'm here with Francois Lantier. How are you, Francois? I'm excellent, Sarah. And you? Very good. Very good. We've got an awesome guest today. We've got Skyly, who is a realtor, a financial advisor, investor in Kamloops, BC, Skyly McCallum. Uh, we have a great conversation with her and uh, and how she bought uh, three is it three properties before age thirty in uh, in Kamloops and uh, we talk about that we talk a little bit about um, her her projects with Arizona and, and looking out east and lots of good stuff in between Francois anything anything really exciting that without spilling the secrets of uh, of some of the things that uh, you're like wow this is a really good tip and and we need to listen to it. One really good tip is to make sacrifices. So you need to tune in to understand why and what those are. But I think that's key. And Sarah, you've made sacrifices. I've made sacrifices. You need to make some choices to succeed. And Skyly really made the right choice, I think. so. Very cool. Right Club community, if you haven't left a rating and review, please do so where you listen to this podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to check out therightclub.com for events, forums, deals, money partners, and everything in between. Let's bring in Skyly. Skyly, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to speak to you now. You are um, a realtor and financial educator in Kamloops, BC. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about how you got started, how you bought three properties before you turned 30, and then just, uh, you know, your journey up until there and, and what you're doing today. But uh, can you share with us, you know, how you got started in real estate investing in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of slept walk into the real estate industry. Um, I was actually going to university and I was serving at the time. And then my husband and I, we decided we wanted to have a baby. And so I started interviewing people as to like what I should do for a career. Cause I was like, man, I just don't want to go to school anymore. And honestly, psychology, while I love psychology, the job after the fact just wasn't really for me. So actually interviewed a mortgage broker first. And then after that interview with the mortgage broker as to like, should I do that job? Uh, they ended up saying that I should go into real estate. And so it all happened very quickly. Like two months later, I had my real estate license and I honestly feel like I couldn't have made a better decision because the more I talked to people about real estate, even when I first got started, it was just like, 
this is where I need to be. And investors, they intrigued me the most. And so I've kind of just made a really, really close relationship with one of our head brokers here in Kamloops. She actually oversees 12 um, mortgage specialists here in town and we're very close and I just, I can't get enough. And it's kind of funny. I feel like I collect houses now where people collect shoes. I see houses and I'm like, I need to have one that looks like that. It's kind of funny. Very cool. So, so you're investing then in Kamloops, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, um, the three properties that I own, they are in Kamloops. Um, I am looking kind of outside of Kamloops just because our market has gotten quite competitive and it is getting quite expensive. So I am thinking about like branching out. Um, I actually have a client that just invested in New Brunswick. And so I'm thinking that maybe I should be like branching out a little bit further than where I am. Um, I think Camels was a really great place to kind of get started, but I'm excited to kind of see like other markets and kind of keep track of them too. That's so smart. Yeah. Thinking outside of the box and long distance investing. That's my my strength personally, but I am moving closer to my investments. That's sometimes what happens too. So how, like, how would that make you feel? I'm going to be a psychologist <laughs> investing that far. Cause that's quite far from BC to New Brunswick. It's quite a few thousand kilometers. Yeah. Yeah, it is quite far. Um, the one client that I have that does a lot of investing, I've kind of picked his brain a lot about it. And he was just saying, if you have like a really good team that backs you, then it's not a huge deal, no matter how far you go. Cause I mean, even an hour and a half away can feel like a really far distance when you just can't get your butt there to do any maintenance on the property. So he kind of said that no matter where you invest, if you're not going to be in the same city, it's kind of going to have like the same issues arise. So he just said, have a really good team, which would be again, your lawyers or, and your real estate professionals and like uh, management companies, all that kind of stuff. He actually has another one uh, in Arizona. And I was like, I need to go Arizona because he has a condo and then he can use it on his own as well. And so he Airbnbs that. And again, he just said he has a killer team of people that make it super easy for him to have investments kind of all over the place, regardless of like how, how far. That, that is really cool. And I will say, so you remind me in a way a lot like Francois because Francois got like 30 or 40 properties in Eastern Canada. I can't remember where it's no, New Brunswick. Yeah, New Brunswick. That's why I'm not looking at Arizona, but I am looking at Florida and Costa Rica. And you're, you're the person that's advising you is totally right. You need that strong team. Absolutely. And there is something that's a big advantage. If it's too far, you can't go. I'm a bit of a control freak. So if it's close, I'll go and fix it myself. But if you want to scale, that's not good. You don't want that. You need to be able to delegate. And Sarah knows, I think, a lot about delegating and things. But me, if it's close, I'll just go. And then you don't have family time. You mentioned the baby. So I'm sure family is probably part of your why. And you don't want to be fixing things. So it's really smart. Yeah. And I'm actually learning that a lot too, because I'm um, just rolling out a real estate team as well. And I was always very, so I've been in the industry for five years now, actually this May, uh, on the 18th of May, I will have been in the real estate industry for five years. And I was always me, me, me thinking that I had to do everything, but you can't, like you said, you can't scale it that way. You have to delegate and you have to find specialists in each area of the business in order for it to actually function properly. I'm really great with people. I'm not very analytical. So finding people to fit those categories, I think, like you said, scaling it, you need to be able to delegate. 
for sure. Absolutely. Find, find people on your team that complement the skills that you choose not to do or that you don't want to do for whatever reason. Um, delegation is key and then building that team is, is awesome. So you are, you know, you are an investor. You are also a realtor for, for EXP. Are you mostly from a, a realtor standpoint, are you working with other investors to help them buy investment properties? Or are you working with like a regular retail buyer that's looking for themselves? Um, I kind of do all of it. I really like investors, but anything residential, I really enjoy. Uh, I don't particularly like rural, but I do do rural as well. Uh, I've had some people ask me for investments for like commercial and it's not my jam. I've decided to pull out of it. It's, I just don't really enjoy doing it. I like to wake up every day and do what I love. So I do residential investments. Again, I, I love those and I will do rural because I have some clients that I really enjoy working with that like rural properties, but mostly I'm focused on residential sales. All right. Very cool. And, and you've got your real estate investing on the side. So walk us through, you know, how you acquired three properties before, before turning 30. Um, so again, I kind of just like slept, walk through it. And as I learned things, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm going to do that. And then now I just kind of know how to accumulate more. Um, the first one we ended up buying was a half duplex and that property was actually purchased for 285,000. And that was, uh, six -ish years ago now. Um, and so we actually leveraged from that one. So I ended up accumulating a little bit of debt when we first, when I first got into real estate. And so we ended up remortgaging that house. And again, like I did all my research and I picked a lot of people's brain. I didn't even know that was an option. And I kept looking for people to help me get out of debt and it wasn't working. And finally a light bulb went off and I was like, I'm going to remortgage my house. And in doing that, I realized that I could leverage that property as well in order to help get the next one. Um, the property values have increased so much here that that house, the very first house that we have has actually helped us kind of do the other two investments as well. So the first one, again, we remortgaged that one to pay off some debt. I ended up saving a chunk of money in order to buy the next one. We put a suite into the basement of that one. And then there was a rental in the first one as well. So all the rental income kind of starts balancing itself out so that we could keep qualifying. And so the first one has a suite. We leveraged that one. The second one we put a suite in, we leveraged that one. And now the third one that we have, it was actually a complete gut. Um, but we ended up getting a secured line of credit on the very first one. I hope that that makes sense. There's like so many components that kind of go along with it, but that's kind of how we got into the market. And that's how we've been able to buy one from the next uh, is all the rentals, I guess. Can you, give, can you give us an idea of numbers, Kamloops? I'm not really familiar. Like it's gone up a lot. You mentioned, I think 385. Is it now 700 or what's, what kind of scale are we looking at? Yeah, so the one that we bought originally was 285 when we first bought it. That one is probably worth 500,000 now and that's been six years. Um, the one that we are in right now, we bought it. Our market has went crazy since January. Everything all of a sudden has gone into multiple offers. So before January hit, you'd get a multiple offer every like, maybe one out of five houses. And then now every day there's a, there's a sheet called the hot sheet that we check. 
and it has all the new listings that come out. And so I check it every single day, seeing the new listings, price reductions and solds. And so the solds four to five houses are going into multiple offers and they're selling for anywhere between 50 and a hundred thousand over asking price. So the house that we have right now, we bought before the boom. So we bought it in October and all of a sudden, um, this house is probably worth in the mid sixes and we bought it for four thirty. All right. So That's cool. yeah, it's, it's some good, good appreciation. Yeah, it's, it's doing okay. And there's a lot of people who are having a hard time getting into the market right now too, especially first time home buyers. Um, they thought that they could have everything that they wanted on their dream list. And now all of a sudden they're kind of having this awakening that it's not happening and that they're going to have to take some things off their must have list in order to actually get into the market. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right club nation. Let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week. Blackjack contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas. And for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right. And Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah. I mean, it sounds similar to Ontario as well. I mean, the prices have, you know, even in the last 10 years, like obviously not, not as crazy as, as we've experienced since 2020 to, to today. But, um, but I think it's important that, you know, and, and you mentioned looking in the U S looking in Eastern Canada, um, not only necessarily to buy with, you know, hoping and expecting appreciation that's icing on the cake, but, you know, ensuring that you have something that can cash flow that if something, you know, happens, market cycles go up and down, you know, that, that people can ride the waves. I think a lot of people that are investing right now and just looking at like other investors in the past and they're like, Oh wow, this like property doubled for this person in six years. Like that's great. It doesn't mean that's going to happen exactly the same in the next six years. No. Um, and, and so you're, you're a financial educator as well. Can you share with us what, you know, what it is that you do when it comes to financial education and, and, and what you actually um, teach others? Yeah. So I guess this was about two and a half years ago now. Um, my cousin actually introduced to me um, my broker out of Calgary. So they were driving from Calgary to Vancouver for this expo. And he pretty much was like, you have to meet my cousin in Kamloops. And so within 20 minutes of a conversation with him, uh, he was like, you need to get your license for financial advising. And so, um, the company's called world financial group. Um, and Oh yeah. They're it, awesome. Yeah. So for me, I was like, I love real estate and I'm never going to give real estate up. Like it's a huge passion of mine, but I felt like I could give more to my clients and the services that I already provided. So I actually help clients get life insurance on top of everything else. So on their accepted offer checklist, it says like, look into life insurance because the mortgage companies, they offer 
um, mortgage insurance, right? But then in reality, it only pays out 12% of the time. So I decided to get my license for financial advising as well so that I could help people accumulate assets and then protect them as well because I have family members, for example, that actually didn't build their financial plan the right way. They actually didn't build a foundation. Instead, they just have roofs and stuff and on sticks. And then a storm comes like a health hazard. And all of a sudden your house is collapsing in on itself. So um, seeing the big hole in the financial industry and realizing that there's so many people out there that want all these assets and they're aiming for retirement and accumulation, but then they're not actually protecting those assets. It just, it made me crazy to think about how many people are losing their hard-earned money to health hazards. And so I decided to get my license for financial advising as well. And that means that I can help people get their life insurance, critical illness insurance. Um, and then I can actually do like RSPs, TFSAs as well. And again, I just kind of did that because I wanted to have that extra level of service for my clients and just to know for myself as well. Cause I felt like I was always going into financial institutions and getting sold things that weren't actually good for me or my family. So I realized, I just was like, I'm going to go get my license for this. And then in doing that, I realized I could pair it with my real estate. Yeah. And it's so true. Well. I mean, often they don't tell you everything, just like you mentioned the, um, on your mortgage, the mortgage life insurance, I'm sure you tell people what happens is the payout declines as you pay down the mortgage. So you're paying this premium, it's the same, but then you're, the payout is lower and lower. Do you also get into like maximizer strategies with RSPs and step programs, things like that? Or like how yeah. far do you go in the financial education? Um, so we actually have workshops and stuff like that as well. So those are all free for anybody who wants to go to them. So I help people with that, just kind of opening the door up for education that way. Um, I've actually helped people with like paying down their debt and, um, oh my gosh, improving their credit score as well. So saving, like putting money into a TFSA for your down payment. Um, the RSPs, yes, I have talked to people about that. Um, it seems like a lot of people aren't using them to the best of their ability as well, right? Like you're kind of saying, there's just so many avenues you can go for savings as well. There's, I don't know if you've ever heard of it either. And I am so grateful that I actually learned about this. It's called a universal life plan. Yeah. And so that is, I have two of them and my husband has two of them and my kids have one each because it's just such a crazy good plan. And it's a tax shelter if you pull it out the right way. So I like to encourage people if you're young and healthy and you can afford it to go with the universal life plan, even, even before the RSP but I guess it kind of depends because everybody's every, you have to look at what people have in order to know where they should go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for anybody that doesn't know what that is, can you expand a little bit on that plan? Yeah. So the universal life plan is a permanent insurance, but the kicker is, is that it is an investment portfolio wrapped into an insurance portfolio. So it actually is able to create you a tax, free um, retirement plan as long as it stays within a certain ratio. So what happened a long time ago, I guess, is that the insurance companies weren't checking and all of a sudden they went beyond the ratio and now all of a sudden it qualified for an investment portfolio. And 
they got smacked with huge tax bills. So now every year the insurance company actually looks at it and they say, okay, this is how much investment you have. This is how much insurance you have. And they keep bumping up your insurance to make sure you stay within that same ratio. So um, you have to be young and, or you have to be healthy to qualify for it because it's obviously a life insurance plan, but it has the capability of earning you lots of money because it is invested in the stock market, right? So it's, what I do is segregated funds, um, but you can also, yeah, and it would be segregated funds. And it's the same thing as a mutual fund, especially now since the MERs are pretty much the exact same, like the amount that you pay. MER management expense ratio, like commission. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I want to make sure everyone's following yeah. as you're going through it. Sorry. And I know oh, because I can okay. talk really fast too. But yeah, so the expense ratios are the same now for mutual funds and segregated funds. So you might as well go with the protected plan of segregated funds, especially if you're paying the same amount. And with the universal life plan, you can pull it out as a collateral loan, which essentially would pay itself out when you pass away. So when you pull out a collateral loan, it's tax-free. Kind just, of the infinite banking concept in a way. So you become your own banker. Yeah, it's, quite, but. it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. If I had extra money to invest, I, and I had the option between RSP, TFSA, and Universal Life Plan. TFSA, once that's maxed out, I would probably go for the UL unless I wanted to get down in tax brackets with my RSP. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form, and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I mean, you know, ironically, so I was a, a lot of people don't know this, but I was a, a financial advisor. Like I did my license and I, I think I did it for like three or four months, but like I, I enjoyed it. But I think what I, I would have preferred is to like teach people how to do real estate. And that's how I got started, you know, <laughs> and really so much more into real estate. Um, but we were doing the seg funds and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not, it wasn't for me, but, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's great that you can share with others, uh, you know, how to maximize everything, not just real estate, which I think yeah. is, is really good. Um, and, and it's just being able to give your clients that full spectrum of like helping them with real estate, but you know, here's some other things that you could do to, to build your wealth. And I do want to go back. And I think this is very pertinent to, you know, people that are starting out working directly with the bank the bank will try to sell you their insurance. Um, and that is, you know, unfortunately that's how they get, you know, that's how they get paid. They get commissioned on, on selling the insurance, but can you do a little bit of a deeper dive into mortgage insurance and why you would not recommend that? And you would recommend, I mean, even if it's term insurance or, or the life plan, why that is better, just even from a coverage standpoint, underwriting standpoint and all that stuff. 
Yeah. So, I mean, kind of what Francois was saying too, is that it is, it's, it's almost like a depreciating asset. If you think of it that way, because say, for example, you buy a house worth 500,000, the mortgage company is offering you to pay out your mortgage when you pass away. So you buy the house for 500,000, you're paying X amount of dollars for that coverage. And by the way, I've heard that it's, I've seen it and it is quite a bit more expensive than term insurance, believe it or not. Um, but as time goes on, you are paying down your mortgage. So say 10 years from now, now your mortgage is at, I don't know, let's just for easy numbers call it 300,000, right? Um, and now you pass away, now they're only paying out 300,000, even though you're paying for a coverage of 500,000. So it, it is decreasing as you're paying it down. So even at the point where you have $10,000 left on your mortgage, you're still paying the same amount. And it also doesn't transfer with houses either. So when you, when you, today's day and age, people do not buy the same house and live in it for 40 years. It just doesn't happen. So for you to buy mortgage insurance, every time you transfer a property, it kind of just seems silly, right? Especially since they're qualifying you based on your age, because they need a risk race ratio in order for them to determine how much it's going to cost them for your coverage. Um, so that's like number one is that it's depreciating. That's one reason that I don't like it. Uh, the next reason that I don't like it, and I'll ask you this question, how many people do you know that die healthy? Very few. <laughs> Very few. Okay. So mortgage insurance does the underwriting for the properties at time of death. So when you do I think that's a really, really, really important thing that we, everybody that's investing in real estate, cause you will be tried, you know, people will try to sell you this. That is huge because I think that you said to what 12% actually get paid out. And I don't know if those are the, the stats, but yep. that, that is insane, but that's because they don't underwrite it until it happens. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to get off my soapbox, but like that, that is huge, right? Like, oh, and it irks you, right? Yourself and you're not, sorry. It, it irks you. It yeah. really does. When you yeah. know the information, because they're trained as salespeople. And you know what? I don't want to beat up on the banks too much because the people who work there, they're good people. They don't know. They don't know. They're taught to sell a certain product and that's their job. And so they're trained to say, these are all the positive things with it, but they don't actually know the negative things with it. And I think if they knew that stuff, they might not, they, well, I mean, they need, they need a job. They need to pay their mortgage. Right. So maybe they would still push it regardless. But like you said, the underwriting happens after the fact. And so say, for example, yeah, people might pass away in a car accident. Well, that's your 12%, right. On accident. But say, for example, you pass away from cancer. And then all of a sudden they're doing their underwriting and something pops up and red flags you. Now they're not going to, now they're not going to pay out because, oh, well, there was suspected cancer when we, when we gave you the policy before. So we shouldn't have actually given it to you, but they did anyway. And you paid your premiums in hopes that you'll probably just like cancel it and move on and they get to keep it all. Um, with the insurance companies that I work with, I guess, I should also mention that I'm a broker. So I actually don't have proprietary products to sell people. Instead, I get to shop the industry and bring back products that are best suited to that family. So the companies that I work with, they actually do their underwriting up front. So you walk, you apply for 500,000 worth of coverage. It stays 500,000 for as long as you have that coverage. So term insurance, you apply for a certain term, right? So 10, 20, 30 year term. And they've done their underwriting the day that they took your money and said yes to you. And if you qualify, it will pay out. The 
it pays out 98% of the time. If it's not going to pay out, that 2% of the time is because someone committed fraud. They did their underwriting upfront. They know that you're medically qualified for that coverage. They're not going to take your money without knowing you're medically qualified. So that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I don't like mortgage insurance is because they underwrite it after. Why give someone something that they don't even qualify for? Because it's a cash grab. Yeah. In my opinion, it's a cash grab. So. No, it's true. Um, so someone to add to your power team, to all our listeners right now, uh, mortgage, uh, sorry, life insurance. And I always tell people, like, especially I do a lot of joint ventures. So we get into life insurance for, um, well, capital gain considerations, things like that. That's more advanced, but absolutely you need a, a good life insurance broker, just like a mortgage broker. You usually don't go straight to the bank. So same thing, like you said, no proprietary products. That's really good. You have our best interest at heart, or at least you can shop around for us. So that's excellent. Yeah. What are yeah. you noticing that your clients are buying? Are they getting into critical life and all that stuff? Or what kind of product are you selling? They, well, I have options for all of them. So I just did a universal life plan for this younger guy that he is getting his first home. It's worth 550,000. He had to have his mom co-sign. And so, um, they were kind of worried like, well, what if ha something happens and all that kind of stuff. So it ended up being that he wanted coverage. I just gave him the options and he decided that the universal life plan, the one that's the tax shelter was best suited for him. And it was affordable because he was in his young, uh, his early twenties. So there's other people who are like kind of creeping up to retirement and are like, Oh my God, that looks like such a good plan. And unfortunately it's just a little bit out of their, like it's a little bit out of reach financially because it is more expensive. I mean, the better the product, usually it is more expensive. Yeah, absolutely. You got to go balance it out and weigh it all out. Yeah. Yeah. And I just did quotes for actually, Part of the team that I have, one of the girls that um, is one of the inside sales associates, she has her license for financial advising as well. So I pretty much am working with the clients and then I propose to them that should look into this. And when they want quotes, she kind of does the quotes in the back end, gives me the paperwork. I present it to them. They decide what they want to do. She's the one who does all the paperwork again on the back end, making sure that every T, T is crossed and I is dotted. So I have some quotes that I've been presenting to people over the last few days. One was, I think one person will probably go with term insurance. She's getting covering her mortgage for $17 a month. That's great. That's awesome. $17 a month. Yeah. Very cool. So Skyly, I, I want to take a bit of a turn before we get to our lightning round. And I, I'm just curious why Arizona? <sighs> you know, actually I would really love um, San Diego, but I just have been really attracted to Arizona recently. It's very deserty. Kamloops is quite deserty as well. Um, I really like the dry heat. So I just, I think Arizona would just be a really beautiful place to invest. And especially since I would want to travel there, it kind of just made sense to go somewhere that I could double dip and we could go have an air, we'd have an Airbnb there where my family can travel to. We can use it when we want to, but then I might double dip on my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, management because he says that they're so good and like it's hard to find a good yeah. management company there's really no good management companies here so um he the fact that he has a really good one there i think is another reason that i'm kind of attracted to going to arizona 
Yeah, and I just read um, Arizona was Airbnb. I think it's like number one destination in the States in 2019. So a little bit dated stats, but I'm sure it's still up there. So that's really good. Number one, I mean, great spot to invest. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right, very cool. So Skyly, the next part of the podcast is our lightning round. So Francois and I will ask you four questions. You're going to give us the first answer that comes to mind in 20 seconds or less. Are you ready? Yes, I think so. (laughs) This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, question number one, Skyly, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Move, move from place to place because then you're putting down 5% every time instead of 20% because in order to have, um, in order to buy an investment property, you're 20% down where if you move into it every time, you're buying it as a principal residence, which is 5% down. And there's no clock as to how long you have to live in there for. So, I mean, unfortunately it's kind of a pain in the butt to pack your stuff up, but at the same time, kind of worked out to accumulate three because how fast can you accumulate 20%, right? Yeah, I guess you could have a minimalist lifestyle, only have 51 items. That's an easy move. So I'm working <laughs> towards that personally. I'm not sure how quickly that will happen, but. <laughs> oh, I got a lot of stuff and I have two kids, so it's not oh, super my. fun to move, but it's not super fun to move, but that's okay. Yeah, it's worth it. So question uh, number two. And actually, sorry, the- sorry, Francois, just one of the things, I just want to make sure if people are listening to this, just just careful, you actually have to move into it. I mean, like, here's the thing is if you don't, you it could be red flagged and then you could, uh, you could be red flagged with some of the financial institutions. So it is a good plan, but be careful that, you know, you're not actually just pretending that you're moving into it. And because I've seen a lot of people doing that and at some point, you know, they might get uh, called out on it and uh, in a lot of trouble. So you don't want to do that. You do want to move into it if you're going to say that you're going to move into it. Um, but it does allow you to put less down. Yes. All right, go ahead. Francois. No, and I have a few partners that are doing the same thing, but they've had to top up their initial mortgage because it became an investment property. So they had to retroactively put 15%. So interesting. yeah, you have to do some uh, due diligence. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Uh, so I'm sure it works for it's just different ways. Uh, so number two question, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing? Uh, a book, a podcast, a person? Um, well, I guess a few. I mean, I've been listening to your guys' podcast for a while and it's it's so great. There was one that I listened to the other day that had tips for investing in the States and how to find foreclosures. And um, so I think like just listening to podcasts and stuff like that, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts all the time. Um, I also, again, just finding someone, it was the same thing with me getting into real estate. You need someone who knows what they're doing in order to teach you the trick of the trade. So I ended up having a mentor for two years. When I got into the industry, I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars 
for my mentorship. And if you can find someone to pick their brain, make a relationship with them, I think that is probably your best bet because they've made the mistakes that you don't want to make. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Next question, number three, what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't give up very easily, maybe. Uh, when I first got started in the real estate industry, I made 50 phone calls a week and it was a roller coaster. I had like thousands of dollars in my savings account to like negatives in my bank account, every, like the last pennies of my line of credit gone. And instead of giving up, I just kept pushing through it. And I honestly think that people give up too easily. They give up way too easily. You kind of just got to like grin and bear it and push through. So I don't give up very easily. I think that's probably how I've gotten here. <laughs> cool. And is that like personal or do you have your, your husband helping you? I know I give up and then my wife says, no, <laughs> keep going. And then she gives up and I tell her, keep going. Is that something that's happening or? Uh, no, I think it's actually me. Um, okay. He, he, um, he had a little bit of a rough go when I first started too. He actually hurt his knee really badly and he was on WCB oh, no. and I'm still working and we have kids and it was, it's crazy, but I'm always the one that kind of is like pushing through things. I don't show stress really. So people will be like, are you okay? And I'm like, just head down and like, just push through it where, um, he kind of gets stressed out and I think he would throw in the towel if I kind of let him, but I just, he always says that things turn up skyly because things always seem to pan <laughs> out for me, but it's like hard, it's hard work for things to happen. Yeah. It's not, they don't just happen. Like there's a lot of work that goes on in the background to make these things happen. And, um, yeah. That's really cool. He's a good supporter, but he does want to throw things in and I'm like, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. That's perfect. So yeah. Uh, our fourth question, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? I guess you push your husband to do stuff or? <laughs> um, oh my God. Honestly, it's different all the time. It kind of depends because with real estate, I am kind of on the go all the time with the team that I'm creating. Um, I'm hoping to have like every second weekend off of work, which would be nice. Um, it is, it is different all the time, but I mean, I do really like to have breakfast with my family on the weekends. Um, I do, I really like gardening. So like I try and kind of get that in on, on my day, my day off. Um, sometimes I work though. So it really, it really, really depends, but I try very hard to keep it special with my family and like do the things that fuel me so that I can like keep going throughout the week. Awesome. How old are your kids? Um, my daughter is going to be six in July and then I have a one and a half year old as well. So I was pregnant all last year and like, that was my best. Well, sorry. I was pregnant the year before that. And then when he was, my husband was on maternity or paternity leave, not maternity leave. And last year was like the best year that I had so far. Awesome. And, right. and he was like just a baby, which is kind of cool. Very cool. That is awesome. Very great uh, things to accomplish that with uh, running a family and then juggling it all. Congrats. Where can our Right Club community reach out if they wanted to find out more about you or connect with you? Um, so there, I have my website, which is skylymccallum.com. It's super easy to find. Um, or honestly, if you Google my name, my social media will pop up too. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook 
quite often as well. So it's, my name is very different. I'm sure that it'll pop up if you just Google, <laughs> Google my name. Awesome. And McCallum is M-C-C-A-L-L-U-M. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Skyly, last final words of advice for our Right Club community. What would those be? Um, I think just make, what am I trying to say? Make a sacrifice, I think, because it's not, like I was kind of saying earlier, is that there's, there's um, first-time home buyers that are wanting to get into the market, and they have quite the, quite the laundry list of what they need. And I think one of the other things that Cody and I, my husband, have um, done to kind of get us here is that we did make compromises. We did make sacrifices. We had rentals for the last 10 years. And it's not fun always having people living underneath you, um, but it's kind of gotten us to here. And even when we were in the rental market, we were subletting a bedroom so that we could save up for our down payment. So just make compromises and eventually you'll get to where you want to go. Very cool. Awesome. Skyly, thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks for all the insights that you gave us today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. So Sarah, what did you think about this interview? I, uh, I really enjoy talking to Skyly and, uh, and, and her experience and how she also is not only a realtor, but a financial advisor and an investor. I think it's great to see the mix of them. And I also like talking to people in different parts of Canada. I mean, in the U.S. as well. But I don't think we've talked to anybody from uh, that it's investing in Kamloops, B.C. So it is, it is cool to see, um, you know, the success there as well. And, and her, you know, like her development, how she started and, and how she's continuing and, you know, now what she's up to. I think it's, it's all great. Any big key takeaways on your part? I like the fact that she's kind of self-propelled, <laughs> which I'm not. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like she's the driver and she mentioned persistence. So just to be persistent and the whole life insurance conversation we had, I, I thought was very beneficial. Life insurance is much more than just life insurance. And that's something I'm learning to apply. And I'm glad to see other people are, are applying it. So that was, that was awesome. Awesome. Francois, it's been a pleasure hosting this with you. Right Club community, come grow with us. Until next week, see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.